Well, this morning, I am uh, just super excited. Before uh, I jump deeply into the message, go ahead and grab out your bulletin. Uh, uh, inside your bulletin, you're going to find a, a connection card. Uh, and if you're interested, one of the ways, if you're interested in knowing more about the trip, uh, there's a bunch of stuff to fill out here. Fill out your name and information. Let us know if there's been an address change or anything like that. On the back, there's different ways to tell us if you made some uh, different um, different uh, next steps in your faith. Uh but you can write in the area that says response to message. Go ahead and write your uh, that I'm interested in the Haiti trip in there. Uh, and then we'll pass along your info uh, to Andy. And Andy will contact you uh, about all that. But super exciting. Um, you know, it makes me think real quick. I've, I'm, I've told some of you guys this story. But um, one of the best family friends from the church I grew up in, his name was Floyd. And uh, Floyd uh, went to church just to appease his wife, to be honest. Um, he was not necessarily what I would call a warm, friendly, cuddly guy. And when I was a junior in high school, uh, him and I went on the same trip. And I remember telling my dad, I am not excited that Floyd is going. He's kind of a grumpy pants, and uh, I don't want to be in the same room as him, which I ended up being in. Um, but this trip that we took to Guatemala completely changed Floyd's life. Uh, he totally went from just being a person who went to church because he had to, to just being a sold-out follower of Jesus. And uh, he's led trips back to Guatemala uh, for the last decade and helps run a mobile food bank in his community, and uh, just is on fire for Christ. And it all started because, uh, for whatever reason, maybe it was his wife telling him, maybe it was him thinking it sounded nice to get away from the wife and kids for a week or two, um, he went on this trip and completely transformed him. So if you have any interest, again, don't let money hold you back, because uh, God has uh, an amazing way of uh, providing funds and opportunities. So uh, maybe you're like, I don't know if my spouse would say yes or my work. Um, you never know until you try. So... Uh, check that out. But again, when you're done with this, if you are um, new here today or if you've never filled one of these out, take it to the Connection Center, which is the desk out to the right after service. Uh, we have a gift for you. And uh, I've heard, don't quote me on this, but I've heard that possibly it could be a brand new car. And again, you never know until you go. One of these days, someone's going to go at this and they're going to get a new car, but uh, you could be the person who missed out because you didn't take it. So do that. And again, make sure you grab a journal if you haven't grabbed a journal yet. Um, these are awesome, awesome. How many of you guys have been enjoying doing the journal uh, throughout the week? It's a great, great thing. Don't forget that there's uh, uh, questions you can discuss with people, and there's kind of a weekly challenge, and I'll talk to you about this week's uh, at the end of service. Well, this morning, uh, I want to begin by uh, reading you guys a, a, a verse, and I want to see if you guys agree with this, think it's true, think the guy is, is full of it. Um, so James... Uh, was the brother of Jesus. And here's what's amazing. James called uh, Jesus Lord. Now, can you imagine that? If you have siblings, that's a big deal probably to, to bow down and say that, all right, I will say my brother is the Lord and Savior. That's a big deal. That's, that's one of the reasons why I, I deeply buy into that there's real evidence for Jesus, that he really was the Son of Man. Because if you can get a sibling to say that you are the Son of Man, you've done pretty good. And James wrote a book, we find in the New Testament called James. I know, crazy, crazy naming skills. Uh, and in there, he says this. He says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. How many of us would say they could, they could agree with that that, I, that, that? that you can buy into that statement. That yes, all good things, all gifts come from above. They come from God. I, I, I buy into it. I'm, I'm sold out onto this concept. So this morning, real quick, as we begin talking about this idea of, of gifts... I want, to, I want you guys to think about for a minute, what is the greatest gift you've ever received? 
and, and please no, no Sunday school Jesus Juke answer about, uh, like the, the grace of Jesus, because that is true. We're going to get to that in a minute. But like, let's be superficial for a minute. Take like 30 seconds and tell someone sitting next to you, like, what's the best birthday gift, the best random gift, uh, the best Christmas gift you've ever gotten. And uh, it's okay to talk in church. So take 30 seconds. Go. Tell someone around you, best gift you've ever received. So I have a couple that I could think of, but one of the ones that always comes to my mind was Christmas when I was in fifth grade. When I was in fifth grade, I uh, remember that I deeply was envious of my friend Greg's BMX bike. It had pegs and everything, and I remember thinking, I want that. You know, I want that to be able to, you know, go off sweet ramps. I want that so uh, I can obviously, you know, do grinding. Although, does anyone really grind with the pegs back in the day? Other than like, um, what was it, Matt Hoffman. No one really did that. But of course, you wanted the pegs so that way, like, you know, someone could ride on the back. And so... That's what I deeply wanted. And I remember it was the Christmas where I'm looking at all the gifts and I'm not seeing what I think should be there, right? You know, you've ever been there before where you ask for that special thing and like you're smart enough as a kid to like look at different wrapping and know like, okay, this obviously is like a shirt. So I'm going to save that to open last because that's boring. Or this is going to be like an action figure. You kind of know those things. Or if you were a terrible person like me, you would do the classic strategy where you would like scratch the bottom of one of the gifts and then tuck it way back and make sure it was laying flat down so your parents didn't know you opened it, and then you were strategic in the morning. Again, the Lord has been working in my heart for a long time. Not a great person. But I remember kind of in that disappointed one, and I had one last gift, and it was obviously like a, like a small box. I remember thinking, like, great, this is just like some pack of bubble gum or something like that. And I remember opening it up, and inside there it said, go to the garage. And so I ran to the garage, and inside the garage there is this metallic silver BMX bike, had pegs on the front and the back. Like, I felt like I was the man. And I'll never forget putting on, I had like pajama pants on, and then I threw on a hat and some gloves and a big puffy jacket, and of course, like, I had to ride it even though there was a foot of snow outside. Like, I was just, I was pumped. And we've all been there before, haven't we? Where we've gotten a gift, and it just brings great joy to our heart. Like, there's just something about it that we are just pumped up about. This morning... I want to talk about the reality that I believe that when we look at relationships that matter most in our lives, things like marriage, things like dating relationship, things like uh, our children, because, you know, it does say in Scripture that uh, children are a gift from the Lord, even when it's hard to believe sometimes. Even relationships with our parents, things like that, that those are a gift from God that I also believe that they were created with the opportunity to produce joy in our life. You know, one of the things that I hated about when I first got engaged was how often I would have people come up to me and, like, they would get on, like, mainly mainly men. Sorry, guys. But it was mainly like, the, ah, just wait, the ball and chain, they're smiling now, but just give it a couple years. You're laughing because some of you guys have either said that or you've heard that said. Or when they found out you're pregnant and they're like, ha ha, you're never going to sleep again. Your life is over. We've all said those things. We've all heard those things, right? And I just wonder if that is a terrible, terrible outlook on life as followers of Christ. You know, in, in Scripture, it talks about this in Proverbs. This is, this is a book of wisdom in the Old Testament. It just says that a joyful heart is 
good medicine. Now, joy is a choice, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But think about this. If most people begin some of the relationships that matter most, things like a marriage, things like parenting, and they're told by even other followers of Christ how hard and awful it can be, like, can we wonder why more and more sometimes in our society people don't want to get married and don't want to have kids? We've given such a, like, good luck with that. <laughs> and yet I believe that as we dive into Scripture, we find that, that our hearts, that our life are supposed to be a life full of joy. Now, again, we're going to talk about in a moment the difference between joy and happiness. In Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is a book uh, full of wisdom. Maybe you've heard uh, this verse before. It won't be up on the screen. But it talks about that there's a season for everything, a season to be born, a season to die, a season, uh, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to cry. We've heard all these things. Now, some of us, though, maybe have never heard the end part. The very end of this little stanza, he says, so I've concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. That people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are a gift from God. That if you think about it, if every season we have, the season that is difficult in our marriage, the season where we want to throttle our children, I'm there right now, that that is a gift from God. That we should look for the joy in it. This morning, I want to talk about joy and I want to talk about fear. Uh, one of my favorite writers, I've heard you, many of you guys have heard me talk about him, and he has a couple books. He has a book called Love Does, and he has a book called Everybody Always. His name's Bob Goff. Bob describes this about joy. He says, inexplicable joy leaves behind a fragrance of undeniable hope. Inexplicable joy leaves behind a fragrance of undeniable hope. Have you ever been around a joyful person? There's just something about you, about them that when you leave their presence, you just feel uplifted. Like, yes, this is good. It's, you know, it's, it's like the difference between, uh, I, I think there are different people. There are people who are um, just kind of Debbie Downers, that everything is awful always. And there are those people who find the joy in life. And I would like to describe them similar to uh, a bathroom. You know, there's the difference between when you walk in a bathroom that has recently been cleaned, that has great air fresheners, you feel pretty good about life versus when you walk into a bathroom after somebody else. And I'm not going to say all that happened in there. I'm just making predictions. Uh, But it's a pretty awful thing, right? People who have a bad outlook tend to produce (laughs) something about themselves that's not very fun to be around. It stinks, right? No one likes to be around that. So let's talk about joy and happiness, right? Because sometimes I think we use them interchangeably, right? So what's the difference between happiness and joy? Uh, happiness is not a, 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 a promise uh, in terms of a, a biblical outlook. When we look at Scripture, we look at those who follow Jesus, those who, who serve the one true God. Happiness is not a promise. Now, there will be moments of happiness, but happiness is wholly rooted in this idea that circumstances, scenarios, are good. I'm happy because I got a raise. I'm happy because uh, my wife brought me home a gift. I'm happy because uh, the Lions won a game. Now, that probably won't happen this year, but still, we can hope, right? Happiness is, I woke up and the weather was good. Happiness is, my child actually slept through the nights. Happiness, yes, praise God, right, when those happen. Happiness is wholly rooted 
in our circumstances. That's why happiness is deeply fleeting. Happiness is an emotion. And emotions are a gift from God, but the reality is that emotions are not something in which we should make all our decisions upon. (laughs) They're not something that we should stock all of our relationships on. Happiness will constantly come and go. And more often than not, it's going to go. Joy, on the other hand, uh, is, is in a similar way. Both of them have to do with the idea of a pleasant feeling, a, a happy disposition, a optimistic outlook. But joy is wholly rooted in the fact that it's not dependent upon our circumstances, our scenarios, our environments, or anything else in our life, but it's wholly founded on this idea of the goodness of God. That when you look at the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians, that joy is one of those listed there. It's a gift from the Spirit of God Himself. So if you want to think about it this way, joy is found in Jesus and is rooted in hope and love. That when you are in a committed relationship with Jesus, when you have the hope that comes from a relationship with Jesus, when you've experienced love that comes from a relationship with Jesus, That is where joy is the byproduct of. That is the fragrance of it. That's where you can look at everything that's going on in your life and you can say, the house may be on fire, the kids may be on top of the roof, I may have just lost my job, but I know that God is still good. I know that God is still with me. And because of that, I can choose to have hope. I can choose to still love because I know that God has it all in his hands. That joy is not something that can be be robbed by circumstances or scenarios. Joy, in fact, oftentimes is something that only can be forfeited. Because joy is a choice for you to choose to say that I, I, I choose to have joy in my life. Granted, it's a gift that's given, uh, but it's something that you have to choose daily. In Romans, Paul uh, says this. He says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Be joyful in the hope that you have. Be patient when times are rough and be faithful in prayer. I've seen sometimes people talk about don't let five terrible minutes steal the rest of your day, right? How many of you guys have had that before? You have one bad thing happen in the morning and it just ruins your day. That's based off uh, an idea of happiness. That's based off an idea that, that joy is not something that's completely found in Jesus. So joy is something that's great. Joy is a byproduct of the hope, of the love that we experience in a relationship with Jesus. And again, we talked about in week one of this series from this day forward that we should build all of our relationships, including just the most important relationship in our life, which is our relationship with God, on a solid foundation that's, that's a Christ-centered foundation. But so if, if joy is a byproduct, how, what's some of the things that could happen that could knock away our joy? I think fear is. Andy brought up fear this morning, and I thought that was interesting because that's part of the message this morning. Fear, I believe, is the kryptonite to joy. How many of you guys grew up watching uh, any of the Superman movies or or the TV shows or read the comic books? Kryptonite, if you don't know, uh, Superman is this just ultra-strong superhero. And kryptonite was this uh, material that would make him lose all his powers. And I believe that fear is something oftentimes that is the kryptonite to joy. That if you want to lose your joy very quickly, just walk down the road of fear. Just let, let fear consume you. You know, fear is something that's associated with the enemy. Fear is something that's associated with the enemy. In, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says this, 
He's talking about the fact that he's a good shepherd, but then he says this, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. In our relationships, I'll let you guys know up front that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy the joy of your relationships. But Jesus, he's come to give fullness and full life to them. You know, if you go very, all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, it's called Genesis. And in Genesis, we have the story where God creates the heavens and the earth, and eventually he creates man in his own image. His name is Adam, and he says there's no good suitable helper. So then, uh, out of the dust and out of a rib, he creates woman Eve. And eventually there's this, this scene called the fall. And the fall is where, for the very first time, uh, there's no sin, there's no rebellion, there's no separation between God and his creation. And relationship is just wholly good. Again, our God is a relational God. He works through relationships. He thinks relationships are deeply important. And at that time, the relationship between man and woman is perfectly good, and the relationship between God and his creation is perfectly good. But we have Satan, the serpent comes along. And do you remember what happens? Do you remember what Satan says to Eve? He's asking about this tree, this certain tree that they were told not to eat from. And what does Satan do? He said, did God really say you couldn't do this? What's he doing there? He's planting doubt, right? Now, again, we've talked about before, doubt is not the worst thing in the world. Doubt is not a bad thing. But when you begin to to put doubt in there, that doubt begins to swell up in the mind of maybe a fear of missing out. Any of y'all ever heard of FOMO, right? The fear of missing out, where where you see that people on social media are doing something and you're, you're so sad that you're missing out on it. You know, I got to imagine that Eve in this moment has this thing of like, I don't want to miss out on this. I want to be more like God. I want to experience this. And so for the first time ever, there has been doubt planted in the relationship of God. There has to be a peace in some ways in which Eve almost has to wonder, was God holding back something from us? You know, fear and doubt in a relationship is really the beginning of the end, isn't it? When there begins to be doubt about each party's wholeness, each party's truthfulness, each party's full-on giving That's when deterioration can begin to happen. And then we begin to see just a downward spiral. Because again, what ends up happening when God comes and finds them, when they've realized that they have sinned, when they realize that they are naked and they are ashamed, what does Adam do? He blames Eve, right? It all started there. Relational problems all started because doubt and fear was brought into the equation. Doubt and fear was brought into the equation. And I think the issue becomes is that in our own relationships, we need to look for ways to experience more joy to counteract some of the fear. In 1 John chapter 4, it it says this. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And no one who is made perfect in love, or no one, no one fears that is not made perfect in love. You see, fear looks to steal joy, uh, but joy found in Jesus, it cannot be stolen. The, the joy that you found in a relationship with Christ, it's not something that can be stolen from you. 
Do you realize that? If God is love, that's something that, 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 that cannot be stolen from us. You can forfeit it. You can walk away from that relationship. But, but Satan cannot steal you. It's a choice we make. When, when Eve was tempted, she wasn't just pulled, but she was enticed. There was fear and there was doubt placed in there. And she had every opportunity to say no, but she didn't. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't have done the same thing. And guys, don't, don't try to blame all the ladies in here because uh, we messed up too. We ate. But I think that's what we have to begin to realize, is that our joy that is found in Jesus cannot be stolen. So what does that mean? It means that in our relationships, we need to begin to stop trying to find joy only in our relationships. Again, a byproduct of joy is happiness. And happiness deeply can come from our spouses, from our children, from our parents. But oftentimes what I see is that we're looking to fill a hole that only Jesus can fill with relationships. And as soon as doubt, as soon as fear, as soon as insecurity, jealousy, greed creeps into the relationships, everything is sucked away from that. And we're oftentimes left with a larger gaping hole because we are wholly seeking joy in a person, in a relationship. And again, even though... A marriage, even though a child, even though a family has a, is a beautiful gift given to us to journey together into this life, to enjoy one another, to make life better. The reality is no person can ever fill the hole that only Jesus was created to fill. No person can do that. It's a no-win scenario. My friends, I, I think about it this way. Joy is the antidote to fear. If there was a, if there was some sort of, uh, disease that that fear was that joy oftentimes is the antidote to fear because the more that you're living a life that is marked with joy the less you're probably going to experience fear because you are so focused on the goodness of god on the goodness of life on the hope that we have in him that it's harder to even have to question the fears of our life we have less time to have to worry because we're so focused on enjoying the goodness that we find in the relationships that God has given us. In Philippians 4, it says this. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will again say it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to invite the band up, and uh, they're going to close us out with with one more song. But I think a a challenge I have for you guys this week is how can you begin to foster a heart and a life, a family, a relationship that's built on joy? It takes work. It takes work because, let's be honest, it's a lot easier to see the bad in life. You open up your internet browser, you open up your phone this morning, you look for news. Most of life that we, we, we get flooded with is negativity, right? It's typically things that uh, weigh us down. It tends to be how people messed up. And I think the more that we can seek the Lord in our relationships, the more that we can begin to foster fun and play in our relationships that matter most, the more that we begin to have a better outlook in life. You know, so many of us, I think those who, who make those jokes about like, ah, just wait, that smile will be 
washed out their face or, uh, man, good luck losing the rest of your life with those kids now. You know, can you imagine how different our world would be if we began to really fight for fun, began to fight for joy, that we began to seek out those things, we began to develop those as a part of our, our, our daily lives and rhythms and our families and, and with our spouses. How much different could that be? You know, again, Jesus said, how will people know that my followers of Christ are different than the rest of the world? By their love. You know, love is manifested in lots of different ways, but one of the best ways that I know that people love each other is they laugh with each other. You ever been around a couple where they don't laugh together? You're like, oh man, this is not a good thing, right? You ever been around families where they're not laughing? There's tension typically. That's why I love when, uh, when you be around families that have lots of laughter going on. There's usually less tension because laughter tends to be a great way to relieve tension. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it just says this. It says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you is to be joyful always. This isn't just like a try this, this would be great. This is something that I believe has been given a gift for all of us as followers of Christ in every relationship that we have, but especially the ones that matter most. I'm going to leave you guys with, with one more quote from Bob Goff. He says this, One of the things about finding joy is that if you look for it, you will find it. And when you feel like you lost your joy, where was the last place that you saw it? Go return there, and I guarantee you'll find yourself at the feet of Jesus, surrounded by whimsy. So if in your own life right now you're feeling like, Aaron, I ain't got no joy, go back. Or maybe for the first time, go to the feet of Christ. If in your marriage, you're saying, I don't feel like we have any joy in our marriage, go back to the feet of Christ. If in your family, with your children, with your parents, you're feeling like, I have no joy, start by going back to the feet of Christ. Ask for Him to bring you joy. Because the journeys of marriage and parenthood is meant to bring you joy but Jesus is the only true and everlasting source of joy. So start there and build out the rest. Friends, let me pray for you. Would you guys stand with me? God, life is difficult. God, sometimes it just does feel like we can end up going through the motions. God, it does feel like uh, just we're constantly being beat down. It's so easy if we uh, don't practice being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, that it's so easy to just lose joy. God, we begin to stop laughing in our homes, in our marriages, in our own lives. God, my greatest desire for the people in this room, God, is that they would find a relationship with your son, Jesus. And God, one that would give them a, a peace that transcends all understanding. God, a, a sense of love that they could never fathom. God, a sense of hope that just seems out of this world because it is. And God, a sense of joy that God just is smelling of just the goodness of your mercy and your grace.
So God, I pray this morning that maybe for those who are far from you right now, God, I pray that maybe they could come home, that they could find new relationship, that they could find joy in you and you alone. God, I pray that marriages, God, that are feeling like they're crumbling, that just feel tense, that are difficult, that have no joy, God, I pray that together as a couple, they could begin walking to the feet of Jesus. That, God, they could repent of any sin that is going on in their marriage. And, God, that they could begin to go back to the puppy dog days. That they could begin to experience joy and laughter. God, that is rooted, that source begins with you and you alone. Because, God, that joy, it's not fleeting. God, it's lasting. God, I thank you for who you are. God, would you hear our prayers? Would your Holy Spirit speak to us in this moment? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.